Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Hello and welcome back to The Forge. As always, I thank you for taking the time to meet with me. It means so much to me personally, but not only that, hopefully this is meaningful and encouragement to you spiritually. My desire in doing this is that Christians who listen are growing in Christ. And if there are non-believers who come upon this podcast that they would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through the proclamation of His Word, that they would come to Christ. So to you, my listening audience, I want to say once again, thank you. Now, moving forward into Genesis chapter 27, we're going to consider the blessings and birthright as we read about Esau and Jacob. Isaac and Rebekah. As a reminder, Isaac and Rebekah are the parents of Esau and Jacob. Remember that Isaac favored Esau, Rebekah favored Jacob. God states, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. So this story is indeed a tragedy, but there is deep spiritual truth to be found here. 
So let's prepare our hearts as we pause for the word of God. Genesis chapter 27. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older brother, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will fill me, and I shall see, seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice, and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. 
So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and drank. And his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is it not rightly, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do for you now, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered him and said, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with his fa- with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? 
And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? And that was the reading of Genesis chapter 27, the word of the living God. I want to take a moment here and remind you that Esau had taken wives from the land. Remember, they are Hittite women. He has two wives. And I bring this up here because it's the very last comment, which is made in verse 46, which we uh, read uh, from Rebecca. And she is weary because of these daughters of Heth, the wives of Esau. In fact, this entire narrative that we just read is sandwiched between the opening of Esau taking wives from the land and um, and then it closes with that same theme. So it opens with that theme in the previous chapter, and now here we close it out with the same comment. Rebecca's saying, I'm weary because of these wives of Esau. Now, of course, she appears to be using this as an excuse to get Jacob to safety, but we do know from the previous reading that neither Isaac nor Rebekah approved of Esau's marriages to these women. But this also shows us something about the character of Esau. He has a disregard for the covenant blessings which should be his as a child of Abraham. He also sold his birthright. As you may remember, he sold it to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Esau almost seems to have a profane attitude about his position in the family. The birthright, which was his, and the covenant promises, which were made to Abraham. Here we are, we're not even two full generations into the descendants of Abraham, and already Esau is intermarrying with the Canaanite people. He, in effect, has already cut himself off from the family and the covenant which God made with Abraham. And we remember that Abraham wanted his son Isaac to have a wife from among the people of his own clan or his own extended family, not the people there in the land of Canaan. So I want you to think of this covenant with Abraham as really a sacred inheritance for God's people. And when you begin to think of it in those terms, consider that it's Esau through his own actions. He is saying, I don't care about any of that. I don't really want it. I don't care about the covenant. I'm not interested in the inheritance. And I'm making a big deal about this because just as Esau could have not cared less about his birthright, now he seems to be interested. And so it is with many Christians or just people in general today. We want the spiritual blessings 
that come from God, but we have no desire to be part of the family. And folks, that is simply not how it works. So we can also gather from the beginning of this chapter that Isaac thinks that he's going to die. Clearly, that's the backdrop of this whole portion of the narrative here. But as we continue our journey through Genesis, you're going to find that Isaac sticks around for at least another 20 years. And the point is that you might be sticking around for longer than you think. You don't control when you leave this world. God controls when you leave this world. And death may not be the worst thing which can happen to you. Isaac lived in a body which was obviously failing him, and it appears that he was blind at this point and uh, probably even bedridden. It can be very tragic to live your life in such a state. And he would have been 100 years old at the time Esau married these Hittite women. So we don't know how much time passed between those marriages and where we are now at this point in the narrative, but we do know that Jacob will live in Haran for 20 years, according to Genesis 31, and we haven't covered that yet, so don't think you forgot something. We just haven't been that far into the book of Genesis yet, but the point is Isaac lives until after Jacob returns, and so that's a minimum of 20 years, and it could have been even more. But something happens here in verse 3. Verse 3 marks a transition from this background of an old man fearing that he is near death to the request he is about to make. So we're moving from this idea of an old man who's thinking his days are numbered, he's going to die soon, from that to the request that he's about to make. And that's what verse 3 is. It's a transition. So obviously... Uh, Isaac likes the food that his son Esau makes after a good hunt. He desires the nourishment and perhaps it'll give him a burst of strength uh, that uh, would come from, you know, eating a good hearty meal. But there's this anticipation here of a blessing which will come soon after the meal is consumed. And the idea being conveyed here in uh, the Hebrew thought, Hebrew wording, is that this food which Esau is going to prepare is something that really makes uh, Isaac's stomach joyful. Now, we might not say it that way. We might say, I really enjoyed that food, or I'm really full, or I'm really happy. That was a delicious meal. The point is, is that Isaac enjoyed it, he was taken in uh, by his sense of smell and taste of the food. So when it comes to context similar to this in Hebrew, there's really no distinction between I like the food and I love the food. The point is that Isaac is going to truly enjoy this meal. But let's not only talk about Isaac but there's other players in this unfolding tragedy. So let's talk about them for just a few minutes. See, God's choice was Jacob. Have you ever noticed that God chooses the one 
or ones that we would never choose. I would never choose that person. You see, God's foreknowledge and his election, it's beyond us. But we can take great comfort in knowing that God's choice is always the correct choice. Rebecca knew God's purposes would be fulfilled through Jacob. But she conspired with Jacob as if God needed her help. So we have Rebecca, the mom, and we have Jacob, the younger son. So it's Rebecca who schemes to deceive Isaac, her husband. And what we should see in this is that God is always and was always going to bless Jacob. And he didn't need any help from Rebecca and or Jacob to get it done. God had already made a choice, yet God is sovereign over the acts of humans. You know, as I was reading this, I was reminded of something that Martin Luther said, even the devil is God's devil. What does that mean? It means that God rules over all. And even though Satan may attempt something with all of his lies and schemes, He doesn't do anything outside the boundaries which God places upon him. What a frustrating place it must be for the enemy of our souls to know that he will always lose, that he will never triumph over God. And as we'll see uh, at the end of Genesis, what was meant for evil, God meant for good. And we're never told from Scripture Remember, God communicated to Rebekah about the two nations that were striving within her all the way back in Genesis chapter 25. But there's nothing in Scripture that says that that communication was passed to her husband, Isaac. So she may have felt that her actions were necessary and even approved by God because she had this knowledge that Jacob was the chosen, not Esau. She may have thought that it was her duty to get Jacob into the right place at the right time. Now, that said, remember that Esau, the older brother, he had already sold his birthright to Jacob back in Genesis 25. And it's important to notice here that birthright and blessing are two separate things. The birthright could be thought of as the last will and testament, if you will. It dealt with the property and the wealth which would be passed to the firstborn son. And this is what Esau had given to Jacob. Esau, the oldest son, had basically given that right to the property and the wealth. He had given that to Jacob for a bowl of food. And this deal that was made between Esau and Jacob would be irrevocable even by Isaac. Blessing, on the other hand, deals with Yahweh's covenant blessings for future wealth and posterity. This is also a big deal because in the ancient Near Eastern mindset, blessing and cursing were considered extremely powerful if they had the support of the divine. So when Rebecca tells Jacob 
This is the mom telling the younger son that she will take upon herself any curse that would have been Jacob's for deceiving Isaac. She's actually saying that she would take upon herself the lack of divine support or basically the very opposite of the covenant promises made by God to Abraham. So if Rebecca thought she was acting with God's blessing, it would explain her willingness to take on such a curse because she doesn't think that there's going to be a curse. She doesn't think that she will be cursed. But I want you to notice from verses 8, verse 13, and verse 43. Again, that's verses 8, 13, and 43. There are three different times where she appeals to Jacob to obey her voice. In fact, that's what it says. Obey my voice. Only obey my voice, Jacob. Because it seems that Jacob did not share his mother's confidence that this was the right way to handle things. Why do I say that? Because Jacob does protest, even if it's only a little bit. Remember, he's the one who points out to his mother that he is smooth while Esau is hairy. It's as if he's saying, Mom, this isn't going to work. And from the reading, we know that at least at this point, Jacob doesn't want to be seen as a deceiver. And Jacob desires a blessing also. He doesn't want to curse. He doesn't want to be seen as a deceiver, at least at this point. And the scriptures here clearly show that Rebecca is the instigator. And if you stop and think about it, this is the kind of a scheme where they know they're going to be found out. How can you keep both the birthright and the blessing secret? There's no way you can claim it without bringing all of this deception out into the open. So remember, out of all this, I want you to remember this. You must take responsibility for what you have done. You cannot blame it on your mother. You cannot blame it on your father. You can't blame it on your upbringing, the circumstances that you are in. You see, Rebecca here, she did have a part to play, but Jacob is responsible for his part. You may have had some very unfortunate things happen to you, but you're not excused for your sins against the one true living God because of those circumstances. You see, the blame game, as we call it, the blame game does not work in God's court. So as we consider birthright and blessing, I would want to call your attention to the book of Hebrews and listen to what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. This is what it says. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently 
with tears. This shows us that even though the birthright and the blessing are distinct from each other, they are so closely related that Esau could not have one without the other. And we also see from this passage that Esau was indeed a profane person, just like I made reference to at the very beginning. I want to add one more thing about the blessing. God used the custom of the ancient Near East to communicate his intentions. In other words, there was this custom among those uh, clans and people of that era where when the patriarch was was getting ready to die, or, or in this case, you know, Isaac was thinking that any day now he would be dead, he wanted to bless the firstborn before his death. And God uses that tradition, that custom among the people to begin to speak to his chosen family, his chosen nation, really. So this was not just some word spoken by a dying patriarch in this case. In fact, in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and in Jacob, this blessing was very significant because it was a spiritual blessing because the Lord himself was behind it. God was communicating his sovereign purpose to his people. And remember, for those of you who've studied the Bible, we are dealing with a time before the law was given. In other words, there's, there are no Ten Commandments at this point in time. There was no priest that would mediate between God and his people at this time in history. Therefore, God spoke through the patriarchs. And the blessing from Isaac was understood to be a direct communication from Yahweh himself to the next generation. So let's turn our attention back to Isaac at this point. Isaac wanted to bless Esau based upon a good meal. In a manner of speaking, we find that it's Isaac's sensuality that was the source of what be would become a great conflict, according to the Reformation Study Bible, which I make reference to a lot. So while Rebecca was actively, um, or acting rather, she was acting deceptively, she was motivated by the spiritual Remember, God had spoken to her about these two sons that she was carrying within her. So not only do we have no record of Rebekah sharing with Isaac of this communication, we also have no record of Isaac ever listening to her or seeking her counsel. And I want you to think about that for a minute. Contrast that with Abraham, who did listen to and take counsel from Sarah. Now, sometimes it was good counsel, sometimes not so good, as we've talked about before. 
But Abraham did this even when it was displeasing to him. If you remember back in Genesis 21, Abraham sending away the son of Hagar at the request of Sarah, his wife. And it was a good thing for Abraham to do. So we don't see that kind of relationship here between Rebekah and Isaac. See, Isaac fails to see the deception that was being played on him because he was depending upon his sentence, his senses. Notice that he touched Jacob's skin to find out if it was hairy enough. He tasted the food and evidently the food was good enough to pass the test. He smelled of Esau's clothing. Even though it was Jacob wearing it, he was smelling Esau. And it should be noted at this point that later Jacob is going to be deceived. How is he deceived? Through the use of clothing. I don't want to give too much away, but if you know the story, if you know where this is going, uh, you'll get to it when we read Genesis chapter 31. So I want you to remember this part when we get to Genesis 31, that just as Jacob used clothing to deceive his own father, Jacob is going to later be deceived by clothing as well. The point is this, that Isaac was not being led by the Spirit, but he was being led by what he could physically sense. Notice that in verse 20, something happens here, which is also very serious. Isaac asks Jacob how it was that the mill was prepared so quickly. And Jacob responds, because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. You know, this is only going to compound Jacob's guilt. Why do I say that? I say it because he's taking the Lord's name in vain here. He's actually using God's name as part of his deception. How many times are things done in the name of God or in the name of Christianity or in the name of the church? And it has nothing to do with who God really is. It has nothing to do with who Christ really is. It has nothing to do with what the church is really to be about. And this is so very dangerous. It is a form of taking God's name in vain to try to drag him into your deception. So while we see Jacob's blessing, which does come, and it's very poetic here, and it comes to us in the terms of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the land, we see that Esau will actually dwell away from the fatness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven. So the same terms are used here, but there is a different meaning for Esau. The idea is that Jacob will receive these things. The idea is that Esau will not receive these things. So Esau's descendants are the Edomites who end up living or settling in the region 
uh, south of the Dead Sea. We know this from historical records. And this area is not known for its fertility. So there was a struggle there for um, the fatness of the earth, if you will. Surely they were able to eke out an existence. A nation was formed there, the Edomites, but it did not come easy for them. It was not flourishing and overly fertile. And the Edomites, though they are a thorn in the side of Israel, they do not ever ultimately gain dominion over Israel. And that's what fulfills what we read here in Genesis 27, verse 40. Now the Edomites do from time to time have a victory here and there over Israel as as um, Isaac uh, prophesied, if you will, that when you get tired of it, when you become restless, you will kick off the yoke that they've placed on you, but it never lasts. And you see today there is no nation of Edom, yet there is a nation of God's chosen people. So the last Edomite you may remember was who? I'll give you a hint. He's in the New Testament. See if you can find out who I'm talking about. But even right to the very end, that Edomite was an enemy of the King of Israel, Jesus Christ. So as I conclude this episode, I want to draw your attention to the fact that Rebekah never sees her son again after he flees to Rebekah's homeland. So you can jump ahead and you can read Genesis chapter 31 and Genesis chapter 35 to see where I'm getting this. But we're going to see that Jacob flees and he goes back to Haran. And you might notice also when we get there that while Rebecca's nurse, Deborah's death, so Rebecca had a nurse, her name was Deborah. When Deborah dies, it's mentioned and thus it's memorialized in God's worth, in God's word. I'm having some trouble talking today. <laughs> Let me try that one more time. Deborah is Rebecca's nurse. Deborah's death is mentioned, and that memorializes her death and burial in God's word for all time, because his word will never pass away. But Rebecca's death is not mentioned. Rebecca's deception is mentioned, obviously, but her death and her burial are not. So, what should we take away from this study? Well, for starters, God's choice is not determined by the ways of men. God is working out a purpose for the praise of his glory, the glory of his marvelous grace. He is a God of covenant. And once God has called and appointed you, there's no manipulation on the part of mere humans that will ever enhance that or change that. God's promises are forever, and his gifts are irrevocable. His salvation is sure, and that should cause us to desire not only the blessings, 
which come with that, but also a desire to live in obedience. We should see here in this story a desire to walk in the Spirit and not to be um, living by what we physically sense. Indeed, Christianity is something which is revealed by the Holy Spirit. So let us walk by faith, not by sight. So until the next time, read ahead in the book of Genesis and may God open your spiritual eyes. again for listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith may you grow in christ in the study of the bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful to God for what he is working out, not only in you, but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged, encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in him.